three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 20s and 20 podcast, where we cover everything you need to know about your 20s in only 20 minutes. I'm Mallory Metz, and this is As Good As It Gets. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of 20s and 20. I'm Mallory Metz, and today in the studio, I'm so excited. We have Emma Vernon. Emma, hello. Hello, Mallory. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on. We had some technical difficulties, but we're back. We're better. We're rolling. We're in business. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, your name, age, and where you're currently living. Sure. So my name is Emma Vernon. I'm 29 and I normally live in New York City. I am currently living at my mom's house in Connecticut because of everything with COVID. And I am a comedian, a matchmaker, a content creator. You know, I dabble in a lot of different things. I'm so excited that I found you. I literally stumbled upon you, your TikTok about matchmaking. (laughs) I was like, this is a riot. I can't wait to dive into it. I actually have two good friends who like just submitted their application who live in New York for your matchmaking. Oh my God. Cool. But first and foremost, I want to talk a little bit about you. So where did you go to college? Did you go to college? And what did you major in? Yeah, so I went to GW in Washington, D.C. And my major was American Studies, which is a major that a lot of people don't know about. It's interdisciplinary, and it kind of looks at America through a critical lens, very appropriate for our times. And I mean, I think the direct career trajectory for that is like working in museums. So I definitely really enjoyed what I studied. I learned, you know, higher critical thinking skills and things of that nature, but I did not do anything related to what I studied. Tell the listeners a little bit more of a detailed version of what you're currently doing now for a living. And then how did you stumble into that? Or maybe not stumble, but how did you find this career path? Well, it's hard to say in 2020, because it's like the way you stumbled upon me, like I stumbled upon everything that I've been doing this year. But I would say that my career before, I was, or I am, a comedian, and I'm a matchmaker. And so I had a marketing background. I started my career in consumer marketing and in television when I graduated. And then I ended up moving to content marketing, where basically I was working on creating short form content and helping with branded entertainment at Viacom. So that was something I really enjoyed doing because I felt like I could truly be creative and help come up with ways for different advertisers and brands to integrate their messaging into our talent and our IP and the voice of our brands. And as that career continued, there were a lot of restructures internally and my role I felt got less and less creative. We added a lot more teams and a lot more people. So when I started, I felt like I was really big in the ideation process. And as time went on, I kind of felt like a glorified deck maker, which was just not something I was interested in doing. But I started doing comedy alongside my marketing career the whole time. I graduated in 2013. And that summer, I looked up improv classes in New York City. And I found a summer intensive at Upright Citizens Brigade that had one spot left in it. And I really wanted to do it. I didn't end up finding a job until September after I graduated. So I told myself, I'm going to give myself the summer to just sort of have informational interviews and figure out what it is I want to do. I thought it would be fun to take an improv class. And then one thing led to another. And I really started going down that path. And then a few years into that, I started pivoting to stand up comedy 
And I kind of fell into that because I'm of the mindset, work with what you're given, work with what you're good at. And I was trying to figure out like, what is something I love doing that I've always been really good at? Because I'm mildly good at a lot of things. But what is the thing that like stands out for me? And I've always been the funniest friend of whatever friend group I was in. And I can say that objectively because you can ask any of my friends and they'll agree. I kind of hit a breaking point this year in January. And I was like, I'm just going to pursue comedy full time. I'm going to pursue matchmaking, which actually started because I had a comedy dating show. And then that sort of pivoted into matchmaking. And then we hit a pandemic. So it was a very roundabout way. But that's kind of how I got to where I am now. I think that's amazing. I also have the utmost respect for stand up comedians, because it is so nerve wracking to get up in front of a crowd of people and try to make them laugh and like wait for that response. So major props to you. And I love that you went all in on it, but excited to really dive in to matchmaking. So how long have you been in matchmaking? I know you said it lined up with your stand up career, you were doing a dating show. So How long has this been going on? So I've been doing matchmaking, I would say not professionally, but doing matchmaking since 2017. Because I had a matchmaking dating show, I would set people up on a blind date on stage. And then their blind date would take place in an environment that was improvised by comedic improvisers around them. So it was a real date, but a hilarious backdrop. And it was a very fun show because you could kind of be a voyeur in somebody else's just like insane first date experience. And it also sort of took the monotony out of first dates and just again created this memorable experience that even if you didn't find love you were definitely going to have a great story out of it and I really took the matchmaking to heart so even though all the comedians were improvising and playing characters the dates were just real people who were down to go on an unconventional first date and then I realized as time went on that the audience was really invested in who the singles were how I picked them and why I thought they'd be a good match And so I really started dedicating my focus to making great matches. And then I really started hearing from people that they didn't want to be like set up on a live dating show, but they wanted me to match make them. And before I knew it, I was just setting up friends with friends of friends and strangers. And I was like, this could be a full time business because I had accumulated a database of hundreds of single New Yorkers looking for love. Before we really dive into the details of your new venture, how did you get picked to be the one matchmaking on this dating comedy show? Was this something you volunteered for? Was this your ideation? Or was this something the broader group was like, I think this would be cool. And somehow you got roped into it. Like, how did that all start? So it was my show. So I conceptualized the whole thing. I produced the whole thing. I created the whole thing. And so I match made the whole show. Do you remember the first couple you ever matched? Yeah, I remember both of the matches vividly. And I remember... We all went to a bar after the show, like everyone who was in it, everyone who watched it. And I could see two of the people that I set up just like flirting at the bar and exchanging numbers. And I was like, I did it. That is so cool. And then let's talk a little bit about what this business has sort of evolved to today for you. So I know I stumbled upon your Instagram page. Like I mentioned, my friends have already submitted their applications. So let's talk a little bit about what your current matchmaking business looks like today. So great timing to ask because I'm actually changing my business model in the new year. But basically what the business is today is that I have this database of, like I said, hundreds of really cool single people at this point. And right now I'm primarily working with New York City-based people just because ideally When you take out everything with the pandemic aside, ideally, I'd like for people to be able to meet in real life when we can. 
So I'm focusing specifically on the New York City market, but I have a database that is completely free to join. Anyone can join it, but I really go through and comb through the applications, make sure people aren't catfishing, make sure people are there for the right reasons. I really look for people who seem to be self-aware, seem to be dynamic, seem to be kind, seem to be open-minded. And those are the type of people that I look for. I don't know if that was one of your later questions, but that's those are the main traits I look for when I'm matching somebody. And so the business model is anyone can be part of the database. And what you're benefiting from is that behind the scenes, there is a matchmaker screening real people. So think of it as a dating app where there is a real person going through all the applications and matching you with people. And then that way, you only pay if I find a match for you. And if I think that there are two people in there based on their apps that are potentially a match, I screen both of those candidates prior to introducing them. So if you were in there, Mallory, and I was like, oh my God, you would be a perfect match for so-and-so based on like what I read about what you put on the form, I would then set up a call with you, confirm that my hunch was right, vice versa with the other person. And then I would show you guys a photo of the other person to make sure that you are physically into it and give you, you know, like a brief paragraph. I still like to keep a little bit of mystery, but I also think it shouldn't be completely blind if you're paying for a service. And if you both agree to the intro, then that's the only point in time that you would pay. And otherwise you are just in this database where you, it's like a pay per match type of service. Well, if you expand to Dallas, Texas, I am ready to be in your pool of candidates and I'm ready for you to match me with someone. But really, that's also leading me into a great question, which is how do most of the people find you? Is it through word of mouth? Is it through seeing you on social? How are these people finding Those are the main two ways you just hit them. I really pride myself. This lingo sounds so corny, but like I like sort of being the sort of like underground millennial matchmaker. Like I'm not trying to put myself out there on like SEO marketing on Google that's like looking for love. Like I like my audience to find me organically and people find me through my Instagram dating show. People find me through my TikTok videos and people find me word of mouth. I think that 2020 is the year of unconventional dating. You know, I think people are really starting to do things they've never done before. And I think part of that is, you know, some people were never on dating apps before and some people are sick of dating apps and looking for alternatives. So I think this is a perfect time to kick off your business. You know, they say the new year is always the booming time for people who are like, I'm going to start dating. I'm going to look for love. So I'm excited to see how your business ticks up. Thank you. Me too. And then diving into more of the post analytics. So how successful have more of these granular matches been for you? Have you seen a lot of success come out of these? Has it just been more introductory and you just like leave and let them live their life? Like how involved are you in the process? And then how successful do you feel like these matches have been? I totally feel like with my matchmaking, I really want it to be as organic as it can be from the start. And because I am sort of going for this sort of word of mouth, social media matchmaker, I am not one of those matchmakers who is going to be like Mallory meet John, John meet Mallory. You guys are both this. Here is a link to your Zoom call or you guys have dinner planned at this restaurant at 7 p.m. I really want everyone to get a sense of what the other person is like without any added help. And so basically, once you guys have approved the date, then I give you guys both of each other's contact information. We establish who will be reaching out first. And I set up couples of all orientations in heterosexual relationships. I do ask that the guys reach out just because in that way, I am old fashioned. Like I do think that the guy should make the first move. You know, 
if I was setting you up with someone, for example, and I planned this amazing date for you and I did all of the legwork, you might not know if this guy is actually good at planning. You might not know if this guy is actually good at follow through. And I think these are important things to know right off the bat, like what is someone's style? And I also like to know because I do screen candidates to make sure that they're not flakes, but there's not like a flake test you can do, you know? So contracts people sign that they're not going to ghost and I ask them and I tell them the rules and yet unfortunately because such is life I have had examples where different members of my database have been like I am not flaky I do this I do that and then they don't follow up and that is something that I don't really want them to get away with so if those are their true colors and that's unfortunately what they would do before or right after a first date then I kind of want whoever is on the receiving end of that date to be aware flag it to me then I won't set them up with other people. And then you also can make that decision more easily. That's totally the red flag point of view of it. But then also from the green flag point of view, like I just want you guys to see how you naturally communicate. What do you consider a good first date? Obviously, I know these are weird times. So I think video chats and Zooms are kind of the norm right now. But in normal times, it's like, what kind of bar are you picking? Or what kind of activity are you picking? And then in terms of success, I say like success is defined on multiple levels. I'm not looking at success as like marriage and children, also because that's not everyone's goal necessarily of working with me. But I see this as Mm -hmm. if you guys were really into it after the first date, if you saw why I connected you two, if you were attracted to each other and you had a good date, I define that as success. And you know, whatever happens three dates down the line, I think hopefully it works out. Sometimes life gets in the way. But if you generally were like, thank you for that match, that was a really good date. I count that as a success. And in that case, my success rate, I mean, it's hard to quantify it, but I would say it's mainly successes. Do you ever have clients come back to you and be like, hey, that was a good time. Would you mind setting me up with someone new? Or are you simply like, I only match you once? No, no, no. So I mean, this is a brand new business model. So I've been doing my matchmaking for a bit, but this new business model is what I'm implementing. There's unlimited Mm -hmm. matches. So the way it's going to work is like, It's just going to be pay per match and there's not going to be a maximum or a limit. Like it's possible you might join my database and I might never find someone who's right for you and I might never match you. But in that case, you didn't pay anything to be a part of my database anyway. So you could potentially be someone who I think seven of my other members would be into. And in that case, if you want it, I could introduce you to seven people if you wanted it as well. Maybe there's only one Mm -hmm. person. There's not going to be any guaranteed number of matches. That makes sense. And then who do you feel like you traditionally see more applying to be in your pool of candidates? Is it usually more males, more females? What are you seeing as far as people actually putting themselves out there? So I'm sure you can guess the answer to this, but I definitely get a lot of females of all orientations, but I would say females are my main clientele. And I think that has to do with, you know, these are stereotypes, but I think like women are more likely to kind of sit down and be mindful about what they want or think about how they haven't been mindful and think about how to remedy it. And so if you think about who, again, this is generalizing, but who would be the type to sit down and be like, I think I will try and work with a matchmaker. It does make sense that it tends to be people who identify as females. From your perspective, what do you feel like the benefits are of using a matchmaker? And then what do you think are the cons? I mean, I think the pros are someone else is vetting these people. I think there's so many times you go on dating apps and you are disappointed 
haunted by the pictures versus who they ended up being. And I'm not even talking about catfishing, like that's an extreme level. I'm talking about someone was way wittier on a dating app or even just like the sound of someone's laugh. Like it's just like hard to sit at a table with them or you're just not vibing. And so what you get by working with a matchmaker is that I'm actually checking them. I'm looking at their chemistry. I'm seeing if they're a good person and I'm seeing if I think that they're right for what you want. I think quality also when working with a matchmaker, like it kind of saves from like the endless swiping. Sometimes you find great people on dating apps, but you had to swipe through a hundred bad people before you found one good one. And I would ideally take that time away because I just present you the good matches. And then I guess the cons would be it's an investment. So I don't see it as a con. I see it as like, if you're willing to pay for like Spotify premium, if you're willing to pay for like HBO Max, this is something that could impact the future of your life. And my price points are super affordable. So it's like, you're going to take the plunge because you see it's an investment, but I'm not going to charge what matchmakers charge, which is, I don't know if you've looked into it at all, but like literally thousands of dollars. The other thing that I'd say comes with my service and my business model specifically is if you are paying for like a premium Hinge or Tinder or Bumble account, it's still not guaranteeing that you're going to be connected with somebody. But with my service, you are only paying if you are connected with somebody. So you're not going to necessarily pay and then not find anyone. You're either not going to pay and not find anyone or you're gonna pay and find someone. Who could say no to that? And then do you feel like people have it in themselves to be their own matchmaker? Or do you think people get too bogged down with the details too much? Or do you think it's possible for people to sort of matchmake themselves? Um, I think people totally can be their own matchmaker. I think it starts with mindfulness and self-awareness. So I don't think everybody has the tools internally to figure out how to do it. But I think if you're willing to work on it, you can absolutely do that. And I would just say, be self-aware, understand what you're asking for and really realistically be able to ask if you can provide the same thing that you require in a partner, know what you want, but be able to differentiate what is an absolute must have for you versus what is a nice to have. And a great example of that is say you said things like athletic build 6'2 tall, dark, handsome. Okay, I'm, I'm making this up. I would reframe that mm-hmm. as a must have would be I am physically attracted to my partner instead of putting the specific traits because you're limiting yourself. Like if you are saying like they must be this, this and this, you are eliminating pools of people who don't check off those boxes. But if you are saying they must be someone I'm attracted to, it opens up everything because instead of being exclusive based on criteria for them, you're being exclusive based on criteria for your own wants. So I think like centering the needs around yourself and understanding what you really need can kind of allow you to sift through people on apps more mindfully. With that said, what you get with a matchmaker is you don't have to invest as much time. And then really, just to get your perspective here, what does compatibility mean to you? Asking all the hard questions, Mallory. It's hard to say because compatibility is different in every relationship. But I think compatibility comes down to like a certain comfort level. I think if you're really compatible with someone, you guys can just exist with each other without it feeling like, is this awkward silence? No plans feel like plans, right? Like if you are alone and watching TV by yourself, Mm -hmm. you feel like you did nothing that night. But if you like watch a movie with your partner, it's like we watched a movie tonight, you know? And so I think compatibility is just being really comfortable in who you are with the other person, accepting the other person for who they are, and just enjoying what the other person brings to the table and generally enjoying each other's company. Emma, I end 
every podcast episode talking about pet peeves relative to the subject we've been talking about. So today I would love if you could share out some pet peeves you have about matchmaking or relationships or setting people up. Would love to get your thoughts. I would say my biggest pet peeve is when people lie to me about who they are. Again, like I'm not giving polygraph tests. I'm just going off your character. I'm going off my intuition. But sometimes I meet people who say that they are not flaky, that they are really good at follow through, that they're really into someone and then they just totally flake out. And that is a huge pet peeve of mine because not only is it rude and it's a waste of the other person's time, but it also reflects poorly on me. I also don't like when people say that they are really open-minded and then when push comes to shove, they are not as open-minded as they proclaim to be. And then I also think another pet peeve is just not having a sense of what you're looking for and coming to me before you're ready. When people really have a sense of what they want, it shows that they've done the work and they're ready to work with me and to be in a relationship. If you enjoyed today's podcast, go to our Instagram, follow us, give us a like, give us a shout out, tell your mom, tell your grandma, and leave us a comment. Thanks for joining us.